Well, y'all, if you have your Bibles, let's go to Philippians chapter 4. We are, uh, I'm at one of these points here, we're at the very end of, of this book, and I haven't decided yet if today's the last message on this or if next week will be the last message. Uh, um, I'm covering some of the last parts of it today, but um, I don't know if there's enough meat on the bone to finish it up next week, and, um, and we'll, we'll let you know. And probably going to do a series on Christmas um, as we go into December and then get back started on a Bible book in January. So we've been talking about true joy. And, you know, um, I've been taking the title of these messages directly from the Scripture. So in other words, I haven't been looking at some fancy little title that I can give uh, to catch your attention. I just look at what the text says and then find the main theme and, and put it in, in a title. So, you know, we've really tackled some, some bold issues and we've made some bold statements with our titles. Like we've talked about the cure for worry. I mean, the cure for worry. We, we talked about uh, the answers for anxiety. Uh, today we're going to look at the secret to contentment. And I usually don't like to use the word secret in a title because I don't think God's word is a secret. But this word is used in the middle of the text as Paul is telling us what the answers are, what the keys are to contentment. So Philippians really is direct in its application in life on how to deal with these things that are internal within us, anxiety, worry. Um, and, and, and Philippians just goes right out. Paul, God uses Paul to just go right to it and deals with it. And so we're going to deal with the issue of contentment. Now, what is contentment? And I thought about giving you a Webster's definition, but I'd rather take the biblical definition. And the biblical definition is basically this. Contentment is when... There's an inner peace in the midst of a storm or in the midst of good times. Contentment is not just something you have when bad things are happening, but it's something you have when good things are happening too. It's an inner peace that God gives us. So what is the secret to that inner peace? Philippians chapter 4, verses 10 through 13. Let's stand together as we read God's Word. Philippians 4, beginning in verse 10. And Paul says here, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I am not saying this because I am in need, uh, he says here, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned, what does he say here? The what? The secret of being content in any and every situation. Well, Paul, if you've learned that, I'd like to know what it is. I think we can have an answer for you today. He says here, so I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all things or I can do all this through Christ, through Him who gives me strength. 
I can do, perhaps outside of John 3.16, one of the most famous verses in all of the New Testament, I can do all things through Christ or through Him who strengthens me, who gives me strength. That's the answer. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for Your Word. Thank You for what You've taught us since July about what true joy is and where it comes from. We know that contentment is one of the components of true joy. So help us today to see the simplistic but yet profound truth that we can be people of contentment. We can have that inner peace that can only come from you. And I pray it in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. I want to ask you this question. Do you find it difficult sometimes to relax? Do you? Yes. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Yes. It's difficult, right? I mean, there are times in life that, you know, you need to rest and you've got a lot going on and you come to the end of the day and you're ready to go to bed and all of a sudden you're tired and you think, man, I'm going to be able to go to sleep really quick. And all of a sudden your mind, you can't turn it off. And it keeps on going. It's hard to relax sometimes. But let me ask you this question. Have you ever experienced a time in your life, it may have happened to you once, it may have happened to you three or four times, where you really on this earth experienced relaxation, true rest, that at other times you can't get. For instance, what I'm getting at is this. There have been vacations or times away that I've planned, and, I'm, and I, I, I can see it coming, and I'll say, boy, man, I really need some downtime. I really need some relaxation. I really need to get my mind off, off of the crazy cycle, off of the, the race. I, I need to get off the grid. And, I, boy, if I can plan this, this will help me experience the rest that I need and then you 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 get to that moment and you go and you don't get the rest you need you just it just doesn't happen but I can tell you there's been about three different times in my life that I've really experienced that peace and that rest and that inner contentment that that inner strength that inner peace that seemed to wash away all the worries, all the issues. And I'll tell you, and, and some of it has to do with location, and some ha- wasn't location. One time, we were in the Bahamas where the hurricane just hit on, on Abaco Island. And I really thought it was going to be a stressful time. We had the kids. Uh, we, one of our kids brought a guest. We were with one of our church members. And there, you know, we just thought we'd be busy doing fun things in the water in July and all of that. And we found that there was actually some moments there that we could really rest. I found myself falling asleep on a hammock under palm trees while the wind was blowing. I found myself early in the morning at the the table outside, feet in the sand with my Bible and a cup of coffee and nobody asking me questions. And there's something that took place during those three or four days where God just took all the stress, all the issues of life, washed them away, got them out of my heart and mind, and I actually got rest and I felt deep inner peace. Another time on a lake in South Carolina where I experienced that. And another time when we had a staycation right here at home 
and I did some work around the house, and that week God just gave me the rest that I needed. Now, what I'm trying to say is this, is that it's hard to get that. And it's hard to find that. And while we need moments like that, God wants us to have continuation with contentment in our heart and life. He wants us to have that inner peace, not just on a vacation, but throughout life. And Paul lays it out for us, okay? So I want to give you several things here. Number one, let's talk about what, what, what contentment is not. So Christians who are content are not the victims of circumstances. We are not the victims of circumstances. So he says here, um, in, uh, in, in verse 11, he goes, I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. The circumstances. Christians who are content are not the victims of circumstances, whether they find themselves in need or full. The circumstances don't dictate whether or not they have inner peace. And that's where you get to a place of maturity. I'm going to talk about that in a second. But notice what Paul says here. There are three things that, that, that he reveals to us. He says, number one, I can accept all things. Basically, it's what he's saying. I can accept all things. Whatever circumstances that I'm in. Guys, put that up if you don't mind. I can accept all things, he says here. No, not, not the verse. Um, the little red part. The next, the next one. There we go. Okay. I can accept all things. And, and, in, and in verse 11, we see it. We read it. Okay, you, don't, guys, you guys have, don't have to put that one up. Then he says also, I have all things. Verse 18. Now, we didn't read verse 18, but here it is. They'll put it up. Verse 18 says, I have received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied. Paul's saying, your support for me you know, has been more than enough. I have more than what I need. He's saying, I have all things. I have all the things that I need physically. And then he says one last thing. He says, and I can do all things in verse 13. So he says, I can accept all things, whatever my circumstances are. I have all things. My needs are met. I have what I need. Notice he didn't say, I have what I want. I have what I need. Uh, I, I was... You know, I've been off of Facebook for a year, and I got back on about three weeks ago, two weeks ago. And one of the reasons I got off of Facebook is I just, I just need to clear my head. I was seeing way too much. I knew too much about too many people. It's affecting my ability to concentrate and focus. And I just, I just need a break. I had a, I had a good life before I ever had Facebook, so I felt like I was. But anyway, I felt like it was time to get back on. And one thing I didn't realize. Well, it's just not what people post on your feed, but it's the ads. They know what I like. How does that happen? They know I love to hunt. Oh, my word, man, I'm seeing all kinds of stuff that I need, I, 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 you know, that, that, that I want. I say I need, I tell Penny I need it, but it's really what I want. New boots. Y'all, you only need three pair, uh, one pair of snake boots. I got three pair. 
might need kind that you need to walk in the water with. You know, get, I, I saw some boots the other day. I was yesterday, and I, I was like, ah, 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 I want that. I, I got more boots than a man should have. It's not a need, it's a want, right? But what Paul was saying was, God doesn't always give us what we want. That's not what we, where we find contentment. But we find contentment when God provides for us and He gives us what we need. And if most of us will look into our lives, we all have what we need already. And we have more than what we need. I can accept all things. I have all things. Put the last one, guys. I can do all things. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So Christians who are content are not the victim of circumstances. Your circumstances should not dictate the inner peace that you have that comes from God because circumstances change. Where's Mrs. Morrison? She was up here singing just a little while ago. Where'd she go? Children's Church? <laughs> That's right there. Hey, y'all two back there. Mrs. Morrison, can you make an appearance, please? Where is she at? She there? Gosh, I'm putting her on the spot. Anyway, they, the other day, I, I, there she is. Nice of you to join us. They're watching the service in the, in the foyer there. So, Mrs. Morrison, um, you, uh, you made some commitments, didn't you, um, last Saturday when you got married to Mr. Morrison, right? Huh? Yeah, yeah, you tried. But you did make a commitment, right? Yeah, basically, in the commitments, you, 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 you had, there was an underlying thing that I will be faithful to you, right? In good times and in bad times, right? In sickness and in health, right? What, what she was saying was, and what he was saying was, I'm making a commitment to you, and it has nothing to do with the circumstances of our life. Thank you, Mrs. Morrison, for, for coming and joining us. And, Thank you, Taylor, for being a good sport. Um, yeah, we make those commitments in marriage. And we know going in that there's going to be some rough patches. There are going to be some challenges. Uh, we know because we see it in our parents. We have seen it in other people's lives. And, and, and we know that, that their love for each other isn't determined by whether things are going good or not. And people who stay together for a lifetime in marriage, they've become content. They have an inner peace because of the commitment they made. And their love is defined by the word commitment. And it's the same thing for Christians. Yeah, I find this funny. I, this is just, this is one of my little pet peeves, okay? And, I, and if you do it, I'm not downing you. Because you know what? I'll probably do it at some point. I, you know, I have pet peeves that, that I do that upsets me, right? So one of them is this. So when your team loses, why do you have to declare to the world that you're not jumping off the bandwagon? Why do you have to declare to the world that, like I saw one the other day, I was born a gator, I'm going to die a gator, win or lose, I'm going to be a gator. I never thought you were jumping off the team's bus anyway to begin with. 
So you, what you're saying is you're only going to stay with the Gators if they wince? That's what you're telling us, that, that you were thinking about jumping off, but you've decided that you're going to stay. It's like, you got, I, I know you're a Gator, and I would expect you to stand by them when they lose in all kinds of weather. Am I correct on that? Yeah. Doesn't matter if it's in the swamp. Or in, I still call it Alltel Stadium over there, whatever it is, ITT, FBC, WYXG Stadium, whatever it's called, wherever they played yesterday, but they're in Jacksonville. Yeah. Circumstances don't dictate your fandom. Circumstances don't dictate your commitment to your marriage. Why should it dictate our walk with God? Right? Now, I want to give you a second thing. And it's this. This is something in preparing for this message that, that, that I learned. That something new that I have not fully understood completely, but I understand it better now. Contentment is a learned behavior. It's learned experience. It's a learned inner peace. Now listen to me here. He says here in verse 12, I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. The word learn here is the word experienced. I have learned it through experience. I've fleshed it out in my life. It takes time to experience contentment. I don't expect a brand new baby Christian to be a master of inner peace when they first get saved. Just like I don't expect little Lorelei to be able to get up on Sunday morning and get herself ready for church right now. She's just not there yet. She's an infant. She's still early in the process, and it's going to take a little while, and at some point she's going to get there. Well, it's the same thing with contentment, guys. Listen, that inner peace. It's something you have to commit yourself to learning through experience. It's something that you have to take in life as you grow as a Christian, as things happen to you, as circumstances come and go, the ebb and flow of life, you've got to learn that sweet spot that God has for you, what it means to put your trust in Him regardless of the weather, regardless of the circumstances, regardless of the situation. And it's something you have to learn. Now here's the problem. We've got too many Christians who have hard heads and they don't want to learn the lessons. And if you're not willing to learn, you're never going to have that inner peace that God wants to give you. And you learn it sometimes by making the wrong decisions when you go through difficult circumstances and you get tired of the ebb and flow and the ups and downs of your walk with Christ that, 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 that takes place because you are wishy-washy because of your circumstances. And you get to a point where you get, you get tired of the up and down and you want that more even keel. And you decide, I, I've got to learn how to deal with these circumstances in life and not just the bad stuff but the good stuff you know it's funny how many people will be committed to christ when things are going bad and they need god and then when their whole life changes their whole circumstances change you, you don't see them anymore things are so good they don't need god anymore 
And that's the other side of it. So it takes time. This isn't easy stuff here. Only after tough experiences, maturity, and sticking with it can we gain contentment. That inner peace. Let me give you a third thing. So contentment is not an escape from the storm, but peace and calmness while in it. Peace and calmness while in it. It's not an escape from the storm. If the only time you and I can have that peace, remember the uh, um, illustration I was talking about vacations and the, the, the getting away and the two or three times in my life that I really experienced that deep inner peace. One of those times was through one of the most difficult storms in my ministry. But I found a, a place of calm in the center of God's contentment that solved the problem for me in my heart. See, it's not an escape from the storm, but it's peace in the middle of it. That's the beauty of it. You know, when I first started fishing outside of going out of Steenhatchee, one of the things about coming into that channel over there, I mean, man, it... It can get nasty trying to come back in there with a little bit of wind. Now, I don't have the biggest boat in the world. I was like the guy on Jaws, man. I think the first time I came back when it was bad, I think I need a bigger boat. And the first couple of times that I came through it, you know, you're, you're, you're fishing in the flats, and now, man, you've got, you know, it's on low tide, and you, you can't just cut the, cut the edge, man. You've got you to go around. You've got to get back to the channel markers and, and got to get in the deeper water, and, and man, it's rolling like this. And I'll never forget, I'm going, Penny's with me, and I can see her eyes are real big, and I tried to be calm on the outside. I said, we got, not a problem. I said, no, this is normal. And on the inside, I'm like, we're going to die. <laughs> going to die. I'm going to drown. I don't think I'm going to make it. And I, I'm, this is no joke. Penny looks back, and she goes, what happened to the boat in front of us? I said, just hang on, it'll reappear in just a moment. And because it can go down and come back up. And she goes, How much longer we got? I said, You see that building over there? We're not safe till we get there. And then I, but now that I've done it so much, you still gotta be on your toes. But I'm content because I know what I gotta do to get through it. Doesn't mean that it's always easy. And in my boat, 100% guaranteed, you will get wet. Not an if, not a maybe, 100% if you have those conditions. But now I can go through it and, you know, if I do the right thing, do it the right way. Now, don't bother me. Can't see the boat? Oh, no problem. <laughs> Oh, we just took 400 gallons in the face. Ah, no problem. We got this. <laughs> so God is with you. And he gives you a calmness that cannot be explained. He guards your heart, the peace of God, in the midst of it all. All right. Let me give you three quick things. Warren Wiersbe's keys to contentment. 
Here it is. I'll give you the three that he gave us. And uh, I wanted to share this with you. Bless his heart. Pa- uh, Pastor Warren Wiersbe just passed away in the uh, last few months. One of the greatest theologians of our day. And uh, I read him before I read anything else. Number one, he talks about, here's a key to contentment. The overruling providence of God. The overruling providence of God. Look at verse 10. He says, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. The word opportunity is talking about you, you had no opportunity from God, the providence of God. God works in people's lives. <clears throat> Let me give you a definition of it. He says here, the word providence comes from two Latin words. Pro, meaning before, and check this out, and video, meaning to see. Pro video. <laughs> before to see. God's providence simply means that God sees to it beforehand. It doesn't mean, does not mean that God simply knows beforehand, because providence involves much more. It is the working of God in advance to arrange circumstances and situations for the fulfilling of His purposes. So if you're a Christian and you're serving God and you're going through difficult times, how can you have inner peace within your heart? I'll tell you how. You have to understand that God overrules with His providence in your behalf for His glory in your life, no matter what you're going through. And God knows it beforehand. And He's working it out beforehand to get you through this, to teach you something so you can learn and to glorify Him through it. It's the overruling providence of God. We might have plans that we want, but they don't always work out that way. And God has a purpose for it. So, I mean, I, I, I'm just in the wedding mode here. The soon-to-be Mrs. Jordan over here. Raise your hands so everybody can see you, you know. There you go. Um, so, Miss Dobbins here is going to be Mrs. Jordan. How many dates have y'all had for this wedding? Or, or, or potential dates? Three. Three. So it's been moved around because her husband is property of the United States Army. And they have to do what they, what, he, what they tell him, right? He has to do what they tell him. And so they've had to move it around. And one might think, you know, why is this happening to me? And to Taylor's credit, she, she, she's the kind that she'll take it. She'll accept what God brings, and she'll make the best of it in any way God has, has it worked out. And so they have a date set, and it's set coming up in December. And, uh, and I look at it like this. This is all under the overruling providence of God. His timing is right, Taylor. His timing is perfect. And we don't always know all the reasons, and we may not understand it for a long time to come. But that can give you unbelievable inner peace. It's called contentment. Okay, God's got this. Number two, the unfailing power of God. That's a second key to contentment. The unfailing power of God. I can do a few things in Christ who strengthens me. Is that what the Scripture says? Nope. It says, I can do all things. I can do all things. Look, I am not musically inclined. Okay? I don't have the gift of, of a voice to sing. Nope. Okay? 
Marcy can play guitar and sing. Penny plays the piano. They know all of that. I admire people who can play musical instruments. I really do. But I'm telling you this. If God called me to play a musical instrument with my limited ability, I could do it. Now, I'm not going to say sing. <laughs> some things are God-given and some things are not, and I, that's just not God-given. But I believe I could do it if I committed myself to it. Penny tried to teach me to play the piano one day. I said, I want to learn how to play the piano. I quit within three minutes. <laughs> just not my thing. But I believe that through Christ who strengthens me, I can do it if he led me to that. Well, if God could help me to play a musical instrument, he can do anything in anybody's life. See, the unfailing power of God brings contentment in your heart. To know that there are situations and circumstances that God will put you in that you have no business being in, that you have no talent to fix, that you have nothing to be able to do anything with, but God will give you what you need when you need it. I'll never forget, it's an old story, but when I became the pastor of this church, this building was 75% uncompleted. The church had borrowed money to, to build it, and they were building it on their own, and then Hurricane Andrew hit. And then the price of materials just about doubled overnight, and, and then some other things happened, and God took his hand off the situation, and the church had spent all of their money on 25% of the building. I became the pastor and there was no money. I'm 29 years old. I know nothing about construction. I don't know how to raise a bunch of money. Just never done, done any of that. And God sends me here. Now what in the world was he thinking? And all I remember is praying to God. I said, God, give me wisdom knowledge beyond my years and experience because I don't know what to do about it. As a matter of fact, the church had, a, had borrowed money and it wasn't a traditional mortgage, it was, a, it was bonds. I knew nothing about that. And the church had, I think, $81,000 in unsold bonds, which means they're paying a note on that, but that money's not available to them to use because they hadn't sold it yet. And I'm calling bond people. I'm like, what do you mean? What? He goes, it's an investment. He was explaining it to me. So somebody buys a $5,000 bond, that, so that diminishes the 81000 down to you know, 5000 less, and, and, and on and on, and you sell enough of those, and you'll get the 81000 available to you, and the church can have access to that money. Um, and, and so forth and so on. And I'm like, I, I don't know anybody. How are we going to sell this stuff? I get a call the next day from a man who said, Pastor, do you have any idea what it's going to take financially to complete the building? 
And this was like three or four months in. I said, we have a better idea today. Yes, we do. I had some numbers. And I said, yeah, it's going to, at that time, I said, I think we need about $100,000 more to finish it. It ended up being we need about $185,000 more. But at the time, that's, that's the best information that I had. And he said, well, can you come and see me at my office? He had an office in the Farm Bureau building over there on um, Williston Road. And he said, um, by the way, how much of the unsold bonds do we have? I said, $81,000. He said, all right. He said, just come to my office. I want to talk to you. I said, oh, good. He's a businessman. Maybe he could help me understand this better. I walk into his office, and he said, okay, how much do we need? I said, I think about $100,000. We might be able to finish this building. Um, and um, in addition, in addition to the $81,000, okay, he goes, well, here's a check for $81,000. I want the bonds. <laughs> You don't know what I, what I wanted to think there and say, but it was like, no way. And he goes, yeah, so I'm writing a check. I found out who I need to write it to and give it to you. And he says, so you, you say you got to raise another 100000 on top of that? I said, yeah, I believe so. He said, uh, he goes, okay, well, here's the deal. Here's a check. Now go raise the other 100000 So I walked out of that office thinking, wow, look at what God did. And then I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, how am I going to raise another $100,000? Holy cow, I got, I got a blessing and a problem all at the same time. God gave me a clear vision on what we needed to do. We need to do three things. Number one, we needed to forgive the past, the mistakes of the past that had been made here. A pastor, by people who were there, um, just, just let's get peace, let's forgive it all, let's move on, okay? That was the first thing we did. We voted on that. I wanted the church to vote that we would move on and start looking at the future, not the past. So we did that. Number two. I said, God put on my heart to have a, what is called a Reclaim the Vision Day. We've been working on this building on Saturdays, and the vast majority of our people have never walked into this uncompleted building. Let's have a worship service in this building. Let's have our goal. Let's call it Reclaim the Vision Day. God, give us a vision that we can reclaim the vision, finish this building, and, and, and move in it for the glory of God. And we brought in, it was November like 19th or something. We had to bring in these portable heaters because it was cold. We brought in a few pews from the old church, and the rest were chairs. Right where you're sitting, in here. We had a makeshift stage, and in the rafters we had the uh, construction lighting with extension cords coming from the other building because we didn't have electricity in here yet. And we had a worship service in here. And two days before the worship service, I had two leaders in the church that came and told me we needed to cancel it. And I said, why? And they said, you're asking people to give $100,000. We don't have $100,000. People won't be able to do it. It's going to discourage the people. I said, look, if we collect $10 extra, we're $10 closer. So we're going to do it. So we did it. Listen, this little church on that day collected in cash $68,000 toward the building. And by January 1st, we had the 100000 Now, I don't talk about that history because I assume everybody knows it. We have a lot of people here that don't know the history and don't know what happened. The unfailing power of God was all over us during that time, in spite of us. I 
I went to a man by the name of Randy McElroy. I said, Randy, let us hire you to be the contractor to finish it. It's going to take us another year and a half to finish this building, just working on Saturdays. And he goes, nope, can't hire me. I said, why? He goes, because I promised Mama and I promised God that I, would that I would help do my part to finish it, and we're going to do it. So I went to his brother, Glenn, and I said, Glenn, you're going to do the electrical. Convince Randy. Let us hire him. And he's like, nope. We promised God and we promised Mama, and we're going to get it done. I said, well, can I ask you to do one thing? Can I put a fire under y'all to get it done? Can we get this done? I'll come help you. I don't know what I'm doing, but we'll come. We'll come during the week. And so we did, and everybody pitched in that could. And we got the building finished. And just a few short laters, a few short years later, the building was paid for. So I'm using that illustration to tell you that I learned as a 29, 30-year-old pastor at that time how to find contentment in the midst of a storm. The overruling providence of God and the unfailing power of God was so evident. Don't tell me God is limited to what we can think. He can do, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And then the third thing is this, the unchanging promise of God. That's what will give us contentment. The unchanging promise of God. Look at verse 19. It's not part of our main text, but verse, verse 19, and this will close us out. And my God will meet how many of your needs? All your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. So I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, earlier in the chapter, and later in the chapter, and my God will meet all my needs, will meet all your needs, according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. The unchanging promise of God, according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Yo, have you ever stopped long enough to look up into the heavens? Brother Don um, Brookings brought his telescope Wednesday night out here as we were having our uh, trunk and treat. He brought his telescope. He's been talking about wanting to bring it, and he knows all this stuff, and it's just pretty amazing. He texted me one night. He goes, look, in a few minutes, if you'll look to this part of the sky, you'll see the space station going by. I went, get out of here. He's like, yeah, you know. So I did, and sure enough, I watched it go by. Bye, bye. <laughs> Um, pretty amazing stuff. And he knows this stuff. So he brings this thing out. I'm not kidding. It looked like a surface-to-air missile launcher. Thing that big around, man. You know, I mean, telescope, man, we could, we could launch a nuclear weapon off of this thing. I mean, this is it's unbelievable. And then he started showing, we got to see Jupiter. And then he said, check out Saturn. And we all started looking into that telescope. And not only... You know, you see Saturn over there, and you see that, that bright star. And when you put it under a telescope, you see the big ring around it, man. It was like, it's real. It's real. I'm telling you, it's real. It's not just what I learned when I was a kid. It's real, man. That thing really does exist up there. And then he began to tell us. Now, Don, real, say it loud. How fast are we moving right now? I don't know. D d throw some numbers out that will blow our minds. Come on. Okay.
Yeah. And like, how long would it take us to get to the next galaxy? Two and a half, what, million? Light years. I'm not smart enough to understand that. So here's the thing. When you start talking about that, the depth and the distance, our God created that. His wealth is the galaxies and the universe and everything. And the Bible says that God will supply all of our needs according to that wealth, according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus. He will give you and me what we need when we need it. It's the unchanging promises of God. And as a result of these three things and the other three we talked about, I can have contentment at inner peace. And when I quit realizing that I'm just tied to this earth and gravity and all of that, but I'm a child of God as we were singing and I belong to him and his providence is working on my behalf and for his glory his powers unfailing and his promises are unchanging why am I worried why do I worry and why am I always in a mess on the inside don't have to be I can learn what Paul learned whatever state I find myself in I find that inner peace that contentment that only comes from God wow is that pretty awesome y'all I mean we're living in a world that Nobody has peace, it seems like, you know, as far as the world's concerned. We're living in a world that, when I was growing up, they said by the year 2000, we'd all freeze to death in an ice age. Now they're saying we're all going to burn up. You know, they call it climate change. Yeah, I, I, yeah, the climate changes four times a year. It sure does. Life's going to change, man. There are going to be droughts. There are going to be job changes. We're going to lose loved ones. We're going to have sickness. We're going to go through the most agonizing things on the earth. But as a Christian, I can have an inner peace in the midst of this storm. And it doesn't cost me anything. And I can have it freely in Christ? Sign me up. I, I want it. And God will do His part, but I've got to do mine. I've got to be willing to learn it and to grow in it and to be content. Let's pray together. Father, I want to thank You for Your Word and I know we, we worry about a lot. I'm not pointing the finger at anybody here. 
I can worry with the best of them. So, Father, I pray that we, Your people, would commit ourselves to being content. Yes, Paul calls it a secret, but he lays it out. It's not a secret. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Help us as believers to be a beacon of hope to a lost and dying world. When they see us, they don't see perfect people. They see people who have been redeemed. They see people who were broken. And, 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 and God, you've put us, you know, you haven't put us back together. You've made us brand new. And may they see God in us in the midst of good times and in the midst of stormy times. And may that in and of itself be a witness to our neighbors, to our family, to our friends. God, we look to you to meet our needs, only you. Help us to enjoy your power through your providence. You're faithful to us. Would you stand with me, everybody? We're going to open up this invitation time and we invite you to come and receive the word of god and and apply it to your life it's a stage but we call it like an altar because it's where the word of god meets our heart and sometimes there's just something about saying i'm going to come to this altar i'm going to leave it right here or i'm going to give it to god or i'm going to i'm going to find my peace and do what god says maybe for you you've never given your life to christ and today's the day today's the day you say, okay, I'm, I'm tired of fighting it. I'm tired of being stressed out. I want to give it to Him. I want to give Him my life. Turn from my sin and turn to Him. You don't become a Christian by osmosis. It just doesn't happen. You have to receive the free gift of God. Like Coach Pritchett said years ago when he came to my office, what do I need to do? I said, well, Coach, just receive Him. How do I do that? It's just like receiving a gift. Coach, I bought this phone. It's paid for. It's yours. Do you have possession of it yet? Nope. How do you gain possession of it? It's reached out to you, and you have to reach out to receive it. And when you receive Christ by faith, that's your spiritual way of receiving what God has done for you. You can't earn it. And man, the peace that He'll give you. Whew. Right, Coach? All those years later. So let God have his way in your heart and mind right now.